There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Across the UK, online and on DAB. <laughs> Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. Femba can go to hell. Topical talk, outspoken opinion and inspirational conversation on the Hour of Badass Power. Underwear, armpit hair, many imitators but no one compares. Minter, Campbell and Sexton are your all new Saturday night super squad. Badass Women's Hour on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. One, two, three, four! Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour, all the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Minter and I'm joined by my co-hosts Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton and we'll be here with you for the next hour talking about the things that have caught our attention this week including the new Vogue, new Vogue, not the old Vogue or is it? I'm not sure. Um, (laughs) Working from home, does it make us more productive? Uh, But kicking off our news stories this week, Nat, what are you talking about? So everyone that's woken up today, every woman that's woken up today uh, that has an employer, you are now working technically unpaid until the end of 2017. And this is based on research done that looks at uh, pay inequality and the gap between the salaries that men and women earn. So, you know, you could just email your boss and say, I'm not coming in because you're not you're not paying me. Mm-hmm. Is there a thing where everyone's putting their out of offices on today? Yeah. Like, not paying me. So it officially started on the 10th of November, so Friday. Um, We are unpaid. So just to explain kind of where this comes from. So it comes from the concept of the gender pay gap, doesn't it? And gender pay gap is different from equal pay. We have to clarify that. So equal pay is the person doing the same job as you. Are you being paid the same amount of them? Gender pay gap is the average salary for women in the UK versus the average salary for men in the UK. And it gets skewed by the fact that there are more men at the top of industry in well-paying jobs. This That's is why we have Harriet, because she explains the <laughs> she has She re- actually reads <laughs> yeah, the reads stuff. <laughs> um, so what they've worked out basically is like average salary-wise, we earn a percentage to the pound of men. And that means that we stop work on November the 10th, yeah. except that we don't. So Harriet, seeing as you're the wise one here <laughs> on all things feminist um a lot of the pushback on equal on the gender pay gap is oh well it's obvious because women leave to have babies what's the answer for that for that because i that comes up all the time it is if women don't leave to have babies a is the first myth so women have babies and take maternity leave most of them then come back so over 80 percent of women come back from maternity leave uh the other problem is that what happens is when they return from maternity leave they lots of women go on to part-time or fixed hours contracts and then they get stuck there So none of their employers ask them, 
Are you still happy doing part-time? Should your career be progressing? Could we move you up the ranks and keep you on three or four days a week? You know, we just assume that in order for you to be at the top of industry, you have to be working seven days a week, all the hours that exist. Um, and so that's one of the big reasons. And the other one is simply, ultimately, that it comes down to our preference, and I say our because it is men and women, our preference. So when we think of a leader, we think of a man. So we are more likely to promote men than women, which mm. is ridiculous. But then the, you made this point earlier, Em, the people that have got the right idea are the self-employed ones yeah. because well, I'm still being paid. Yeah, exactly. And and that's their thing. And I see this all the time that women start opting out and setting up their own business because, you know, if they do have kids, they suddenly go, well, hang on a minute, I... You know, I want to be able to spend time with my family, but I also want to work. And mm. then literally the only way for you to negotiate work on your terms and to work your hours is if you set up your own business or you go freelance. But you say this, and then somebody told me the other day, somebody I've done some freelance work for me for, told me the other day that her organisation had just hired a man to do a very similar piece of work that I had done for them as well. And they so paid him, him more. 10 times more. Yeah. Are you serious? 10 times. So we do know this and we've discussed this. Men do get paid more. And and this is one of the, the reasons why we're, we're, we push women to negotiate harder. And, you know, if you think of a fee triple it or maybe you know yeah. by 10 times and put that on the table and see and, and see see what clients say because we are undercharging and we do that consistently but also i think there's a, a cultural thing where people just assume that if you are male you are more competent at your job because i've had this in terms of projects before that i've lost and i and then i've come back to save a project for a client yeah. and i know for a fact that they've paid more because that person has presented themselves as more credible um or they perceive that person to be more credible because they're male because they're male yeah. And the other problem we have when we talk about gender pay gap as well is that industries dominated by women tend to be paid less. Yes. So if you look at teaching, nursing, caring professions, we financially value them less. And I think that is partly because they are professions that have traditionally been done by women. And that infuriates me. Absolutely, not least because it, then it makes very it makes it very hard to get men into them. We desperately need men in those professions as well, but also because what we're saying is because this is an area that women tend to dominate. We just think it's less important. Mm. Whereas actually, it's, it's the bedrock of society. And yeah. if AI does ever take over, these are the these are the roles that you cannot automate. These are the roles yeah. that the, the robots cannot take. Whereas actually, banking, a lot of legal those jobs can be automated. So I think society at some point will start to look at itself um, and more men might go into these professions and we'll start to see the salaries increase there. But we shouldn't have to wait until that point. Yeah, I hope not. Emma, what are you talking about this week? What's your story for the week? Well, how could you miss the new Vogue cover? Well... British Vogue. Have you seen? So we've got the new editor now, um, and I've completely forgotten his name. Edward Enifal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and he's Thanks, launched son. his first his first British Vogue co cover, and it's caused a little bit of controversy. I personally loved it. So it's got, um, I mean, she, I don't know if she's like a model, actress, kind of an influencer, Adwoa Aboa. She's, she's, so she's, she's a model, a model. Mm -hmm. and she was one of the, the highest rated, or, you know, sort of the, the model of last, last year and slash this year. 
uh, but she's also gone into activism and she acts as well. Yeah, and presenting, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So she's got this front cover and he's gone really, really retro with it. So she's got blue eyeshadow on, the typography, the layout is really kind of harking back to kind of like 70s Vogue. And I, the the impact on social media has been amazing, like the amount of people celebrating this front cover. Um, but actually, I've had conversations with people who didn't like it and don't really get it and were expecting something a lot more futuristic mm. rather than being more retro. So I just wonder what you thought. See, I think the futuristic think? Uh, take is, is too obvious. I like the fact that he said, I'm going to go back into the archive. I'm going to go back to an era where he probably loved and fell in love with Vogue. And I'm going to go through the archive and I'm going to create a cover that for me harks back to the heritage and the legacy of, of the Vogue that I want to create. And that is what I read from it. I thought she looks beautiful. I thought everything about it sang to a Vogue that I would want to buy. And I think it was simply elegant and I've had this debate and Anna Leon from Master 7 was here this morning and she was saying the same thing and it's like designers when they take it for a fashion house you have a whole archive of clothes that you can choose to, to stamp to, you know to put a new mark on but there is no such thing as a new idea so even if mm -hmm. he did something forward thinking or you know futuristic would have been, we would have said oh that's you know, that's just copying X or that, you know, that is to say cool this enough. isn't forward thinking in yeah. a way. I kind of like the fact that he's, to me, it, sim it, it symbolizes. It's respectful. Yeah, it's respectful and it's kind of going back and going, actually, this is how we should have had more equality and more diversity. So the problem is, hey, I didn't, I mm. feel really bad because I saw it and I almost felt like I couldn't say, I don't like it. Not that I even didn't like it. I just, I just, it wasn't felt good enough. Blah. Really? I was like, mm. I grew up with, I think I had an opposite reaction which is I grew up with this and it was blah when I was growing up and I feel like we're going to a time which was not great for my personal history or the history of the universe <laughs> um, and I, I just felt it was there was nothing on that cover that made me want to pick it up and that is a real shame because actually the content the content is great and the people that he had writing is fantastic and the range of voices and opinions and ideas is really really interesting and much more editorial than actually I was expecting from him but nothing on the cover told me about that I had to go in find the contents page and decide whether or not I wanted to read it and I but I felt like I always couldn't say it because I wanted it to be so good no so I think there are lots of people that are saying that they don't they don't like the cover so you're definitely no. not alone in that I I just I thought it was beautiful and I will now be a Vogue Vogue reader and because the content is good and yeah. I think the the videos that they're doing yes they were doing that before but just the whole style of it it feels fashionable without being this scary you know it this is only for us type thing i don't feel excluded from a world that i'm not really in this yeah. felt inclusive to me what did you think tell us find us on twitter at badass women's hour and tell us are you going to be reading the new vogue what did you think of it so our final story this week speaks to all our hearts ladies uh it is the news that comes out this week that says working from home can actually make your employees more productive. So HSBC have done a survey and they have found that for 89% of employees across the UK, the one thing that they all say could make them more productive at work is having the flexibility to choose where and when you work. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. So I saw this and I was thrilled by it because I hate being confined to the idea of being in an office at a certain time for a certain amount of time. 
But I do also have to admit that sometimes I'm not the most productive when working from home. Really? Oh my goodness. Yeah. I love it. Mm. I love it. I can do a wash while I'm doing some emails. <laughs> <laughs> I can have a little walk to my dry cleaners, have a little chat to them, a little chat to my neighbours. Which is lovely, babe, but you've been productive. You don't get any work. <laughs> yeah, breaks are really important, Harry. <laughs> little mid- mid-afternoon power nap. Both me and uh, uh, Leah, who works with me, quite often be like, oh, I'm just going to go offline at three and have a little power nap for now you're right babes <laughs> i posted a, a visual this week in me working in bed and it was just you know you know when you have a busy week and actually i can do the emails i can do all of the things that i would be doing at a desk but actually doing it from my bed with a cup of coffee oh, no. means i can just bash through them i can't work in bed i really can't do that that i don't do i have to get up and have a shower so what oh. makes it a productive working from home day for you now being able to have absolute silent time access to coffee on tap and not needing to travel travel for me is is an annoyance especially at rush hour and if i don't have to do those things i'm just far more productive emma so mine is being able to well one having the quiet but i use spotify playlists quite a lot so they have some really great according to what mood you're in so if i've got like my finance and invoicing to do yeah, it's an app called Spotify. <laughs> but you can listen to this playlist that just totally focuses your mind and just turns you into a bit of a ninja. But it is that, not having to put any makeup on, literally comfy clothes. I've got a really amazing coffee machine. I'm literally like, yes, I don't need to leave the house today. Such <laughs> okay. a recluse. Well, those are our tips for working from home. But do you like it? Would it make you more productive or would you actually just be scribing? Come and tell us at Badass Women's Hour, HR at Badass Women's Hour on Twitter or Instagram, Facebook, all the socials are all there. Uh, coming up next, we have an incredible incredible inspiring guest in the studio she has been battling bowel cancer since 2016 and she is here to talk to us about how you do that how you come through it and why we should all get over our phobia of talking about poo coming up next across the uk online and on dab (laughs) badass women's hour with harriet mincer natalie campbell and emma sexton on talk radio she'll get you talking Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour, all the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Minter and I'm joined by my co-hosts Emma Sexton and Natalie Campbell. And this week in the studio we have with us the very incredible Deborah James. <laughs> Deborah is a deputy head teacher, but she also has a second life as Bal Babe. That's like your superhero name. She's way more attractive. <laughs> <laughs> so Deborah, um, tell me a little bit about Bal Babe, how it came to be and um, what it's all about. Absolutely. So my life was totally flipped upside down about a year ago um, when um, I was just your average mum of two, um, kind of working my um, my nuts off in, <laughs> in, in education and um, being a deputy head um, in a quite challenging secondary school and I absolutely loved it um, and then just before Christmas about a year ago um, I was diagnosed at the age of 35 uh, with stage 4 bowel cancer um, so um, you can imagine you kind of wow. sitting in the room I had one of those moments where everything just went 
um, I was blindsided Um, and um, I kind of had enough of being depressed about the situation if I'm being perfectly honest with you Um, went through um, numerous operations um, and then kind of decided to write about it um, but wrote about it under the the alias of of Belle Babe (laughs) and the reason I created her is because I kind of figured that she is the polar opposite to what you expect somebody with bowel cancer to be Um, and the average person with bowel cancer is is much older they're kind of way into their 60s um and um and they're normally a bloke um and actually um it's trying to debunk the myth that you can never be too young to have bowel cancer um, and also have a bit of fun with it um because cancer's really rubbish to be perfectly honest with you um and i was speaking to somebody last night um about the 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 image that people have of those people who have cancer mm. um and hopefully it's not the image that you see in front of you now well it's definitely not the image that i see in front of me now because you're sitting here and you're sort of beautifully dressed with beautiful makeup and hair and looking very kind of well to be honest looking really well and healthy and fabulous so what has been stage four is really about as serious as it gets right absolutely there's no stage five (laughs) (laughs) so what has been the impact what had to happen what have the stages of treatment that you've been through since then yeah absolutely so i'm still undergoing treatment i'm treated to the marsden um every two weeks so i'm on chemotherapy one of the first myths um is that um people assume that you're going to lose your hair when you have chemotherapy um and actually the treatment that i'm on um i'm one of the kind of 30 percent that's managed to still stuck on my head at the moment (laughs) i have lots of blow dries just to just to make sure it's still it's still there um but i've had um four operations that's included a bowel resection where they've basically removed part of my bowel um and then i've also had a lung resection uh, where they've kind of sliced out my lung and then i've had a few um fun things well not that fun but, you know, <laughs> I'm sure the doctors will call them fun where I've had um, things like ablation where essentially they put a hot needle in, in you oh. um, and burn out your tumours oh wow so based okay. on all of that how do you wake up in the morning and just deal with life because I'm guessing things that would annoy most people really small things you're like whatever I'm just whatever. glad to be here <laughs> but but seriously for people sitting at home how, how do you get up and fight another day yeah so I think you realize um to be honest with you when you're first diagnosed you go through really dark phases so I'm not going to lie to you um about the fact that on my Instagram you, you'll see me smiling and my column you'll see me smiling um but there are days that are really dark um but in terms of um, getting up out of bed you you just realise I don't know what's around the corner um, none of us do um, and actually why not make the most of it and if I'm being really honest with you um, I'm not going to be grateful to cancer but I'm really grateful for some of the stuff that I've done because to be honest with you I've had really good fun since yeah. I've been diagnosed with cancer I've had I've had a hellish treatment um, and chemo is not very nice and um, I've found a newfound skill that you can basically vomit um, and things can come out the other end <laughs> all at the same, same time, time. <laughs> it's brilliant how, how has your um, alter ego and your writing helped you deal with your cancer diagnosis yeah so I think it's really really helped to be honest with you because um actually for me um I was a deputy head teacher or I'm still involved with education um in a secondary school so so people want to find out how you're doing and you have this community around you where um people are like how are you how are you and actually as lovely as it is it's also quite difficult to keep up to date with Mm -hmm. 
you know, tell everybody what you've been up to. And so I just started writing as a way of um, saying, you know, thank you very much and this is this is how I'm doing. And also, to be honest with you, I found it really difficult to um, speak one-on-one with people. You know what it's like where sometimes um, you're really good at speaking maybe in a public forum, yeah. but ask me to tell my <laughs> husband that I love him and I say, oh, <laughs> can't do that. <laughs> but it's been a bit awkward. Um, so I found it really cathartic and I found it a way of, of kind of understanding how I felt about the whole process, to be honest with you. Um, and so it's now turned actually into a column for The Sun, which is very exciting. Tell yeah. us, how did that kind of come about? So that was quite exciting. So I um, started writing a blog under this name of Val Babe and then um, met an editor through The Sun who said, well, you know, your, your situation's quite quite unusual do you want to raise some awareness so I did a few articles for them just in terms of raising awareness and then you know what it's like um, <laughs> one thing leads to another and before you know it you're kind of writing for the sun and before you know that you're thinking I'm not going to get my boobs out and then before you know it you're, you're, your bum's out as well and I'm thinking how did I go from like deputy head teacher to like really prim and proper <laughs> you know during the weekday not the weekends um, to suddenly thinking oh, my line is it's absolutely fine when it comes to getting my bum out. <laughs> so do you think that we're all a bit prim and proper about this? Because one of the things that you're talking about with bowel cancer is you're like, look, we need to talk about the fact that it is about poo and it is about stuff that we don't usually talk about in daily life. How do we get over that kind of British reserve? Oh, the British reserve. It's it's kind of, it's really frustrating, actually, because to be honest with you, um, I now on a on a weekly basis basis have to have, have to report about my poo. <laughs> you know, I talk very bluntly about well, what was the diarrhea like today? What was the colour of it? But to the point that when I look at my children, if they draw a picture, they'll draw a picture of poos at the moment. <laughs> um, and I think actually, it's just um, we need to be much more open about it, and we need to realise we we all we all poo. Yeah. Um, I haven't met anybody that doesn't yet. Whether it comes out of a stoma bag for some people whether it, you know, whatever the circumstances, we all do this. Um, and the reality is that actually it's stuff like this, not only in bowel cancer, but in gynecological cancers, um, uh, you know, in a lot of men's. I'm doing I'm doing a lot with Movember at the moment. I'm doing a bit of Movember takeover in my column and I uh, interviewed some men uh, the other day. I, I accosted them in the pub and I was asking them um, if they knew what the prostate was. Um, and it, they knew it was up your bum, but they couldn't really tell me what, what it did. And then I said, well, do you know the signs or symptoms of prostate cancer? Um, and they didn't. And yet it's the most common cancer in men. Um, testicular cancer is the same. Well, you know, maybe I've got a few lumps on my balls or something. Yeah. And so I don't, I don't just think it's with the kind of women of my age. I think yeah. it's across the board, actually, us as a us as a British reserve. But struggle. you're right. We all poo. So let's just, <laughs> let's just get that straight. We yeah. all poo. That is just a normal thing. You know, you're you're lucky if you poo, you know, more than once a day as well. Like if you're regular, like it's a brilliant thing. What should we be looking for in our poo? What's a good poo? What is a good poo? Yeah, what is a good poo? Yeah. Yeah. But because yeah. we should because there is there's there's poo where you should be like, actually I, I there's yeah. something wrong. And then there's 
good poo. Absolutely. So one of the key signs is blood in your poo. So I was passing blood in my poo for about six months. And I think if you're a girl of my age, you think, well, it's probably hemorrhoids. And the likelihood is that it might well be hemorrhoids. Um, but actually, in terms of kind of, you know, alarm symptoms. So it's not only a bit of blood in your poo, because for some people, they might not have that. It's also a bit of weight loss. It's feeling abnormally tired. Um, there's there's other things of kind of um, what we might consider IBS style symptoms in younger people can present as bowel cancer. I mean, it is still quite rare. I mean, there's about two and a half thousand cases every year under the age of 50 but they're still in line with the number of cases of testicular cancer that mm, are diagnosed yeah. every year so i'm um, you know i'd hope to, like to think that we um men are just as aware of testicular cancer as, as we are of bowel cancer so it can happen um it's not totally abnormal um where do you think what would you like to see kind of happen from this campaign because you have a campaign hashtag which i love <laughs> which is cock off cancer, cock off cancer <laughs> <absolutely>. <laughs> what do you want to happen from that it's a good, good, good question so firstly it's to raise awareness so i work alongside uh, charities such as bowel cancer uk and stand up to cancer which i absolutely love which yeah. gives two big <laughs> yeah. fingers up to cancer um so one it's raising awareness that you're never too young to to have things like bowel cancer and secondly for me one of the biggest frustrations is actually still now the, even though one in two of us um, will unfortunately get cancer and then imagine how many people that sorry, affects. Sorry, one in yeah. two. Yeah, that's one in two yeah. of us in our yeah. lifetime. Yeah. 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 Missed that stat. Wow. It used yeah. to be one in three and it it's, be be, it's now one in two. Yeah. Yeah, it's quite quite crazy, isn't it, to think that you know one in two of us will, will come across this. Um, so actually, um, it, it's debunking that myth that suddenly you get cancer, you go into this cancer cave, and your life ends. Uh, the reality is because of charities like Sandra's Cancer and Bowel Cancer UK, money is pumped in so that um, that research is, is ensuring that more of us live with cancer. You know, one day cancer will become a chronic illness um, that we can just manage. Um, but, but people have this perception and don't get me wrong, it's tough. You know, I have days where I am pooing you know about 50 times in the day and I'm thinking this is this is really annoying me um but and oh I'm really tired um but but I'm still having fun and I'm still going to the pub and I'm still enjoying my life and I think it's actually presenting that image so I would like to kind of showcase the mm. fact that you can still like fashion and you can still like you know get interested in boys or <laughs> whatever it might be um and hair and makeup um just because you're going through treatment and um, you can still live a good life fabulous i love that message thank you very much Trevor. it's been fabulous having you with us you're going to stay for our next section which is our badass balls up absolutely some problems brilliant um and also deborah and all of us we've been at stylist live this weekend um if don't know if you're down there on sunday tomorrow but if you are enjoy it uh, but we've been with amazing people like alex fox the step up club some other incredible women most of whom we've interviewed yeah lots of them so if you do make sure you check out our podcast because we've got lots of backdated episodes there with some brilliant women on uh coming up next it's our badass balls ups your problems our wisdom what could go wrong (laughs) across the uk online and on dab badass women's hour with harriet mincer natalie campbell and emma sexton on talk radio she'll get you talking Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. 
United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour, all the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Minter and I'm joined by my co-hosts Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton. And this week we also have the fabulous Deborah James, a.k.a. Bal Babe, in the studio. <laughs> it's that part of our show where we try and solve your problems, our badass balls-ups. And if you have a badass balls-up that you want our advice on, do you know what you should do? You should tell us about it on social media. You can DM us if you want to keep it between us. Um, so we can help you. Find us on Twitter at Badass Women's Hour, HR at Badass Women's Hour, or Facebook, Instagram, all the socials. We're there. We're on all of them. Uh, so I've got our first balls up this week. And oh, it is resonating with me because I'm in this sort of similar position. So I'll get all of your wisdom. This is from Priya on Facebook. And she says, I started a business 18 months ago. And while I've learned a lot, it's become really hard work. How do you know if this is part of the journey or is it time to quit? Should I keep slogging on? That's a really good question. Mm, yeah. Really good question. Uh, Emma, what do you think? Uh, I think it's I think it's a really good question to ask yourself in terms of... Um, you know, when you're building a business, one, you've got to be really passionate about it because you do have really, really tough days. And I think if the passion's gone, that is alarm bell. So even if you do have what could be potentially a successful business, it's not going to be successful if you just haven't got the passion for it. So I think it's a really good question to ask yourself. And I think, uh, you know, maybe you're not working smarter. I'd, 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 tr- I'd probably get some like external help to just look at my business the business model how you're making money is it really financially viable is it worth the slog to get you to the next stage or actually are you just kind of pushing pushing something that's hard work and um, hasn't really got the market you thought it might have Natalie what about you because I know you've had moments where you've gone oh what do I do and then you push on how do you get through that so I took a sabbatical that was the first thing I did so I stepped back from my business just to remember why I loved it what you know made, made it uh, work for me and I also applied for jobs so sitting actually sitting in front of someone and having to explain why you want a job really helps you understand if you really do want a job so I think it, it might be all of the above get someone to assess your business take a step back from it but also find find some jobs that you think you want to apply for apply for them and you'll know sitting in the interview if your if your gut is saying this is not right then at least you know at least you tried Deborah, for you like we talked about this earlier where do you get this constant resilience from the constant resilience where it says 
still going with this keeping going yeah i think working with teenagers will do that for you <laughs> <laughs> without a shadow of a doubt and i think i think you need resilience in any industry that you go into um whether that is teaching whether that is setting up your own business um you have to be resilient if you don't have resilience um you know you're not going to pull through in it i would say in terms of advice on this one don't be scared of what might happen next don't be scared of um of if it's not working out for you of basically you know finding something else that does because life is is short you know without kind of giving you the cheesy lines and the reality is you've got to do something that you love um i love teaching um never thought that i'd be doing something different and love writing you know i've ended up doing a totally different career um and was ballsy enough to do it um whilst i had stage four cancer um and i think actually you know if it's not working out for you don't slog you know don't don't slog at something that you it's it's especially if it's not financially viable as well i think that's a really good point actually is it just that you need a break or have is the business not working and find somebody who can help you assess that because you do need to know uh nat what have you got this week so this this one is from michelle on instagram my partner has a really stressful city job working long hours and sometimes weekends for a while now he's been coming home from work and he's so difficult to be around i have to walk around on eggshells and tend to stay out of his way and go to bed early what should i do Oh, oh, Deborah, what do you think? This is one. This is one. So I'm going to be really honest with you about this. Um, you know, me and my husband actually a couple of years ago um, separated for a year, um, and um, it was one of the best things that we ever did. Now I'm not advocating uh, that this person goes and suggests that they separate, um, but I do think that sometimes you can get to a point in your marriage in any relationship where you become ships in the night, don't you? Mm. And you just cross over, and you don't. You're not really enjoying each other's company. So. Um, um, we actually saw a marriage counsellor um, and it was the best thing that we ever did uh, because it made us talk to each other um, and made us get back together um, and it was great. Um, I would say in this situation it's it's actually getting a bit of help if it's if it depends how bad the situation is um, but don't don't be um, don't feel that you're you're kind of too good to get to get some help. Oh great advice I love that. Now what would you add to it? I think I, I, I would also talk to him about work because it might be that some really major things are going down at work and he doesn't want to or he's thinking I don't want to come home and burden you with all of this work stuff and he might just need to, to download and share some of that so I would have an honest conversation and just ask him what's going on yeah emma would you do that would you have a conversation or would you just be like uh no where are you uh, this just advocates my let's live next door to each other <laughs> <laughs> because i'm you know exactly what deborah was saying i think as human beings you can't get you can't help but get kind of complacent and take people for granted so i think having time apart to do that is important so yeah i'm like yeah separate houses there's another reason that too, yeah. <laughs> do you think that's that's what it is actually we do take people for granted we forget why we fell in love with them and we forget get that actually overall if you're going to be with somebody for kind of 50 odd years they've got other stuff going on and you need to prioritize it sometimes you can't be the priority and their work is but equally when it gets too much you have to speak up and ask for what you want yeah there's there's dimensions to this though isn't there i mean clearly he's not being very conscious about he's very much in his own world isn't he in coming home and sharing that and you know you have to look at how extreme what is going on and is that just an extreme you know bad time that he's going through or is this a pattern of behavior that you know needs to have a conversation because you can't live with somebody who is not being aware of of you in that space and what your needs might be yeah great point get some help find out what's going on 
talk. Who knew? Talking, so useful. <laughs> yes. um, and final question this week, Emma, what is so it? So this is an interesting one. So it's November. You can't fail to have missed all the, like, Christmas um, music. I'm so and, excited for and Christmas this, already. <laughs> this comes from Esther via email, and she's, like, planning ahead. She's like, the work Christmas party is coming up, and there is someone at work who I have a big crush on. We both have been a bit flirty, but we work in different departments, so we've not really had a chance to socialise together much outside work. Should I be bold and make a move on them at the party, or is it a bad idea when you work with someone? I mean, what in the current great. circumstances, yeah. <laughs> I know. it feels like a very bad idea. Um, but equally, we work with people, we spend half our lives at So them. many people meet at work, don't meet they? people, haven't you? Yeah. I don't know. Now, is there any way to correctly express a work crush without creating some sort of horrendous potential sexual harassment issue. So we said this last week, have a listen to the show last week, it's about the power dynamic. So Esther if you are his boss or you run the company and he is the intern or a new employee, you, you might have to be really careful with this one. If you are of you know, if the, the, none of that exists just look his way and if there's a smile, you know, you know that someone is open to being flirted with or at least to having a flirty conversation. But if you look at him and he looks away in horror, don't go near. Stay he's not away. playing hard to get then. No, he's, he's not saying. playing hard to get. He's saying stay away. I mean, someone has to make the first move, don't they, Deborah? Absolutely. Somebody's got to say something. I actually, I actually did a video about this. So I suggest um, not trying without any wine inside of you. Having a few glasses of wine and going straight beelineers. Just, just go for the just go for the kill and 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 if it all fails you can just say oh just in the in the festive spirit it must have been the wine i was trying to think what i'm going to do about this and the last time i had like a proper work crush where i flirted with somebody at work it was so long ago that we used faxes so i had to go to his part of the office in order to send a fax Mate. that's how long ago it was i was faxing everyone yeah i just it. think i think dating people at work is a really bad idea speaking from experience <laughs> and dating somebody for about three months and then it all just finishing and crumbling like a lot of those sort of early relationships do and then you have to see them every day and it's all a bit awkward and a bit like so I would be like don't date at work yeah I think I would say maybe don't use the Christmas party maybe like use the Christmas party to kind of get to know him a bit more and then do something outside of the Christmas party because God only knows we've all made some big mistakes at a Christmas yeah, party. Too much wine. Too much wine. Like don't don't put either of you in a situation where you're gonna you wake up wanna... the next morning and think, Oh, I need to get a and new you job. Don't now. wanna be the office gossip the next day, mm. do you? No, no, nobody wants that. But if you think you might be, then the key to that is to just create a bit of gossip about somebody else. That's what you do. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we have had the fabulous Deborah James, aka Bell Babe, in the studio with us, giving us her wisdom. Woo! Thank you. Uh, Deborah, if people want to find you and follow you, where can they find you? Absolutely. So um, on Instagram and Twitter, I'm under at Bell Babe. Um, and there's Facebook community as well. Um, and then uh, watch out for my column in the sun. It's, it's online. It comes out on a Friday um, and I'm under the fabulous section so you can see me um, kind of somewhere in the fabulous section but if you want all my backdated columns you can see me under your opinion there. Brilliant thank you very much. So we have got one section left our favourite section it is our backdated badass a woman from history you need to know more about and this one is just pure power. 
across the UK, online and on DAB. <laughs> Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton. On Talk Radio, she'll get you talking. Welcome back to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour, all the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Minter and I'm joined by my co-hosts Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton and it's the time of our show where we bring a little history and learning to all of you listeners. Well, that's right, it is our backdated badass time of the show where we talk about a woman from history, uh, what she was like, her contribution that she made to society and why we've all forgotten about her. And this week's Backdated Badass is brought to us by Sheila Nortley, screenwriter and producer. Sheila, hello. Hello, how are you? Good, thank you. Who are you talking about this week? And today I'm interested in talking about Betty Shabazz. Betty Shabazz. And who was Betty Shabazz? Okay, well, Betty Shabazz, she's known as the wife of the late um, Malcolm X. Um, she was not only his wife, but in her own right, she was a, a very established civil rights advocate and an American educator, um, born in Michigan in the 30s. Um, and she just went on to support him throughout, you know, throughout his journey, throughout his missions, and throughout the many changes that he went through as an individual, she was there to support him. Also a mother of six. Um, she then went on after his death to go and get a master's, a doctorate, um, and so on. So I just think she's a really inspiring woman. And apart from sort of being married to Malcolm X, how did she become involved in that movement? What was her background in it? Um, well, she was actually from a background where she was quite sheltered from racism. Um, so she didn't know much about, or she hadn't experienced um, the racism that a lot of Afro-Americans would face at, you know, during those difficult times. So then um, when she moved from Detroit to Tuskegee in the South, that's when she really experienced racism, but she didn't know how to kind of vent or articulate her frustrations. Um, however, later on, when she was introduced to Malcolm X um, at uh, one of their temples, Nation of Islam temples, um, that's when she first kind of got involved with them and um, she was blown away by his teachings. It was a way of channeling um, and directing the, the anger that she felt and the hurt that she felt from the racism that she'd experienced. One of the things I find interesting is, and why women get written out of history is, especially women that are the, the, the partners of, of very powerful men in the same way that... Um, Martin Luther King's wife was, you know, um, they only sort of came to the fore after the after their death. These these women were the backbones of of these men that had to go out and lead lead campaigns. And I I, I love the fact that we're talking about her. She, she died um, only in 1997, but I'm really interested to know more about her career later on later on in life. What sort of things has she done in this in the civil rights movement in modern day? Um, in modern day, she worked with the late one, Martin Luther King. Um, she worked with um, Ruby Dee and Juanita Forte as well, and they raised $17,000. Oh, Sheila, we just lost a bit of that. Could you just, um, could you repeat it? Yeah, sorry. With a bit of better reception. Um, so she, um, first of all, she went on to work with um, the late wife of Martin Luther King. Um, because both of them obviously had, had quite similar experiences. They were both widows and um, with children. So they went on to work together to try and continue the work of their late husbands. Um, as well as that, she did a lot of voluntary work um, with the NAACP, which was started by um, Marcus Garvey. She worked with the National Urban League. 
um, and she actually introduced Winnie Mandela um, during their visit, uh, during Nelson and Winnie Mandela's visit to Harlem. So she was very, very involved with the community. Coretta Scott King, um, Merle Evers-Williams, the widow of Medgar Evers. So she was really involved with the community and with people who had kind of supported her and her husband during those difficult times. And it's a, it's a smaller known fact, but there's an actual, actual movie um, about uh, Betty Shabazz and Coretta Scott King and Mary J. Blige played her. Um, and, and again, I think it was a really brilliant uh, portrayal by Mary J. Blige, who I love as a as a singer. Uh, yeah. What is what is it about Betty Shabazz that made you want to present her as your backdated badass? Um, do you know what it is? I think that as women, um, sometimes it's easy to feel like we have to fill one role. And um, this is a woman who was the wife of one of the most powerful civil rights activists of all time. Um, yet she was also a mother of six. Yet she was also a doctor. Um, you know, and it, it was just, I think that she exemplifies that we don't have to just fit into one box, that you can be the supportive wife, you can be the mother, but you can also be the career woman, and you can also have your own movement in your own right. I think she's someone who is often kind of forgotten about. But to, to do, I mean, just having, you know, one or two kids is difficult enough, you know, but to have a huge family and still kind of be so active, so involved, so educated and, and such a powerful woman, I think, um, I think she did remarkably. She did indeed. She's a proper badass. Well, yeah. <laughs> Sheila, thank you so much for sharing her with us today. Um, I think we've all learned. I, I, I learned, well, for me, actually, you know, there's a moment there where I said, oh, we don't really want to talk about her just as Malcolm X's widow. And then I realised, actually, that's, you can be more than one thing. Mm-hmm. You know, being somebody's wife does not mean that you are not also a career woman, that you are not also doing amazing activism in your own right, that you are not actually achieving everything else. So that was a little learning for me today from that. Yes. Uh, so we're coming towards the end of our show, but as ever, we like to leave you with a little something to live your life by in the next seven days. And that is our badass principle. What is it this week, Nat? The badass principle this week <laughs> is get paid good one and it's it obviously links back to our story at the top of the show where uh, as of the 10th of november women are no longer paid according to the gender pay gap so go off fight to be paid fight to be paid more and if you're not being paid more in the organization you work in find another one and if you're not being paid enough in that one start your own business <laughs> <laughs> emma what about for you yeah well i think for me personally it's definitely about you know what if you can't get the system to work for you opt out and create your own create your own system and set up your own business so get paid for me is like you know what one of the most important things of running a business that no one talks about is cash flow and getting that money in so mm-hmm. actually mm-hmm. not letting people get overdue on their invoices and being ballsy enough to ring them up and go Oi. better have my money <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that is such a hard one actually I feel that all the time and the other thing that for me is in get paid is actually about managing your own finances mm-hmm. because it's not just about having someone pay you it's about actually how do you pay yourself with that money so how yeah. do you make sure it doesn't all just go on bills and living how do you make sure that you get some joy and fulfillment and I guess the future out of it as well um, and also the other thing that I've just thought about on Get Paid is about saying no to stuff which you don't feel you're being paid fairly for yes. and I was talking to somebody about this yesterday and I explained one of the situations where I said no to something and they went oh you know it could have been like a nice thing to do and I'm sure they probably really wanted you there 
And I, for a moment, I felt a bit guilty that I'd said no to this thing. And I was like, no, no, no you were not going to pay me for it. And you have a lot of, I'm not talking about a charity or something like that. You have a lot of money. You could pay me. So mm. get paid. It is very important. That's a good and one, also, isn't it? you know, if that was a man, they would have paid them. Yeah, absolutely. Ten times more. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, and like I said, we've been at Stylist Live this weekend. So if you've been there, do tweet us your photos at Badass Women's Hour, HR, Badass Women's Hour, because we'd love to see them, love to know who you've been to see. There are some amazing women there, particularly some amazing women that we've had on the show. Ladies, who who else have we had that Emma people Gannon. should go and see? Amazing Emma Gannon. Natalie Lee, Starmy Sunday. Brilliant Natalie from Starmy Sunday. Lots of other brilliant women. So if you've seen them at the show and you want to know more about them, check out our podcasts because they're all there. And if you're going, tell us. We would love to come and say hello if we're around at the same time. Uh, or you could come talk to us anyway about anything. Doesn't have to be Stylist Life. Could be something else. Come find us on Twitter at Badass Women's Hour, HR at Badass Women's Hour, or new thing on our new shiny updated <gasps> yeah. website. We've got a little mailing list. So if you'd like to be included to that, so you know about our special events, we do not spam. We promise. Um, do sign up there. That's it's badasswomenshour.com isn't it it's it is. pretty straightforward yep. badasswomenshour.com or you can find us on Instagram Facebook all the socials or you can come talk to us individually I'm at Harriet Minter Nat at Nat D Campbell and Emma at Emma Sexton and of course we'll be here again next week same time same place with the Badass Women's Hour on Talk Radio coming up next it is the fantastic Dr Pam Spur talking all things sex and relationships across the UK online and on <laughs> Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.